0: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details chapter nine the prisoners in the tower imprisoned in the tower of london accused of high treason and having confessed to a too intimate knowledge of the gunpowder plot elfrida could not help feeling that it would be nice to be back again in her own time and at arden where if you left events alone and didn't interfere with them by any sort of magic mouldy-warpiness, nothing dangerous, romantic, or thrilling would ever happen. And yet, when she was there, as you know, she never could let events alone. She and Edred could not be content with that castle and that house which, even as they stood, would have made you and me so perfectly happy. They wanted the treasure, and they, Elfrida especially, wanted adventures well now they had got an adventure both of them there was no knowing how it would turn out either and that after all is the essence of adventures edward was lodged with lord arden and several other gentlemen in the white tower and Elfrida and lady arden were in quite a different part of the building and the children were not allowed to meet this of course made it impossible for either of them to try to get back to their own times for though they sometimes quarrelled as you know they were really fond of each other and most of us would hesitate to leave even a person we were not very fond of alone a prisoner in the tower in the times of james I and the gunpowder plot Elfrida had to wait on her mother and to sew at the sampler which had been thoughtfully brought by the old nurse with the lady's clothes and the clothes Elfrida wore but there were no games and the only out-of-doors Elfrida could get was on a very narrow terrace where dead flower-stalks stuck up out of a still narrower border beside a flagged pathway where there was just room for one to walk and not for two from this terrace he could see the fat queer-looking ships in the river and the spire of st paul's edward was more fortunate he was allowed to play in the garden of the lieutenant of the tower but he did not feel much like playing he wanted to find a freedom and get back to arden every one was very kind to him but he had to be very much quieter than he was used to being, and to say sir and madam, and not to speak till you are spoken to. You have no idea how tiresome it is not to speak till you are spoken to, with the world full as it is of a thousand interesting things that you want to ask questions about. One day, for they were there quite a number of days, Evelot met someone who seemed to like answering questions, and this made more difference than perhaps you would think edward was walking one bright winter morning in the private garden of the lieutenant of the tower and he saw coming towards him a very handsome old gentleman dressed in very handsome clothes and what is more the clothes blazed with jewels now most of the gentlemen who were prisoners in the tower at that time thought that their very oldest clothes were good enough to be in prison in so this splendour that was coming across the garden was very unusual as well as very dazzling and before Edward could remember the rules about not speaking till you are spoken to, he found that he had suddenly bowed and said, "Your servant, sir." heading, "You do look ripping." "I do not take your meaning," said the gentleman, but he smiled kindly. "I mean, how splendid you look." The old gentleman looked pleased. "I am happy to command your admiration," he said. "I mean your clothes," said Edward and then feeling with a shock that this was not the way to behave, he added, Your face is splendid too, only I've been taught manners, and I know you mustn't tell people they're handsome in their faces. Praise to the face is open disgrace. Mrs. Honeysett says so. Praise to my face isn't open disgrace, said the gentleman. It is a pleasant novelty in these wards." Is it your birthday or anything? Edward asked. "'It is not my birthday,' said the gentleman, smiling. "'But why the question?' "'Because you are so grand,' said Edward. "'I suppose you are a prince, then?' "'No, not a prince, a prisoner.' "'Oh, I see,' said Edward, "'as people so often do when they don't. "'And you are going to be let out to-day, "'and you have put on your best things to go home in. "'I am so glad. "'At least, I am sorry you are going, "'but I am glad on your account.' Thou fine boat-boy, said the gentleman, but no, I am a prisoner, and like to remain so. And for these gods, he swelled out his chest so that his diamond buttons and ruby earrings and gem-set collar flashed in the winter sun. For these gods, never shall it be said that Walter Raleigh let the shadow of his prison tarnish his pride in the proper arraying of a body that has been honoured to kneel before the Virgin Queen. He took off his head at the last words, and swept it, with a flourish, nearly to the ground. "'Oh!' cried Edward. "'Are you really Sir Walter Raleigh? "'Oh, how splendid! "'And now you'll tell me all about the Golden South Americas, and sea-fights, and the Armada, "'and the Spaniards, and what you used to play at when you were a little boy.' "'Aye,' said Sir Walter, "'I'll tell thee tales now. "'They'll not let me from speaking with thee, I won't. "'I would,' He said, looking round impatiently, that I could see the river again from my late chamber I saw it, and the goodly ships coming in and out the ships that go down into the great waters. He sighed, was silent a moment, then spoke, and so thou didst not know thine old friend wally he was all forgot, all forgot, and yet thou hast rid astride my sword ere now, and I have played with thee in the courtyard at Arden. "'When England forgets so soon, who can expect more from a child?' "'I'm sorry,' said Evert humbly. "'Nay,' said Sir Walter, pinching his ear gently, "'tis two years ago, and short years have short memories. "'Thou shalt come with me to my chamber, "'and I will show thee a chart and a map of Windagocoa, "'that her dear glorious Majesty permitted me to rename Virginia, "'after her great and gracious self.' so edward very glad and proud went hand in hand with sir walter Walley to his apartments and saw many strange things from overseas dresses of feathers from mexico and strange images in gold from strange islands and the tip of a narwhal's horn from greenland and many other things and sir walter told him of his voyages and his fights and of how he and humphrey gilbert and adrian gilbert and little jack davis used to sail their toy boats in the long stream and how they used to row in and out among the big ships down at the port, and look at the great figureheads standing out high above the water, and wonder about them, and about the strange lands they came from. And often, said Walter, we found a sea-captain that would tell us lads' travellers' tales like these I have told thee, and we sailed our little ships, and then we sailed our big ships, and here I lie in dock, and shall never sail again. But it's, oh to see the Devon Moors and the clear reaches of the long stream again, and that I never shall. And with that he leaned his arm on the window sill, and if he had not been the great Sir Walter Raleigh, who is in all the history books, Edward would have thought he was crying. Oh, do cheer up, do, said Edward awkwardly. I don't know whether they let you go to Devonshire, but I know they'll let you go back to America some day, with twelve ships I read about it only yesterday, and your ship will be called the Destiny, and you'll sail from the Thames, and Lord Arden will see you off, and kiss you a farewell, and give you a medal for a keepsake. Your son will go with you, I know it's true. It's all in the book. The book? Sir Walter asked. A prophecy, we like? You can call it that, if you want to, said Ebert cautiously, but anyhow it's true.' he had read it all in the history of arden if it should be true said sir walter and the smile came back to his merry eyes and i ever say to the golden west again shrew me but i will sack a spanish town and bring thee a collar of gold and pieces of eight a big bagful. thank you very much said edward it is very kind of you but i shall not be there and all sir walter's questions did not make him say how he knew this or what he meant by it After this, he met Sir Walter every day in the lieutenant's garden, and the two prisoners comforted each other. At least, Edward was comforted, and Sir Walter seemed to be. But no one could be sure if it was more than seeming. This was one of the questions that always puzzled the children, and they used to talk it over together till their heads seemed to be spinning round. The question, of course, was, did their being in past times make any difference to the other people in past times? In other words, when you were taking part in historical scenes, did it matter what you said or did? Of course, it seemed to matter extremely at the time. But then, if this going into the past was only a sort of dream, then, of course, the people in the past would know nothing about it, unless they had dreamed the same sort of dream, which, as Elfrida often pointed out, was quite likely, especially if time didn't count or could be cheated by wet clocks. On the other hand, if they really went into the real past, well, then, of course, what they did must count for real, too, as Edward so often said. And yet, how could it, since they took with them into the past all that they learned here? And with that knowledge they could have revealed plots, shown the issue of wars and the fate of kings, and, as Elfrida put it, made history turn out quite different you see the difficulties don't you and betty lovells having said that they could leave no trace on times past did not seem to make much difference somehow one way or the other however just now ifrida and edward were in the tower and not able to see each other so they could not discuss that or any other question and they always hoped that they would meet but they never did but by and by the queen thought of lady harden and decided that she and her son edward ought to be let out of the tower and she told the king so and he told lord somebody or other who told the lieutenant of the tower and behold lady arden and edward were abruptly sent home in their own coach which had been suddenly sent for from arden house but Elfrida was left in charge of the wife of the lieutenant of the tower who was a very kind lady so now Efrida was in the tower and edward was at arden house in soho and they had not been able to speak to each other or arrange any plan for getting back to 1908 in Arden Castle by the sea. Of course, Elfrida was kept in the tower because she had sung the rhyme about "Please to remember, the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. And this made people think, or seem to think, that she knew all about the gunpowder plot. And so of course she did, though it would have been very difficult for her to show anyone at that time how she knew it, without being a traitor she was now allowed to see lord arden every day and she grew very fond of him he was curiously like her own daddy who had gone away to south america with uncle jim and had never come back to his little girl lord arden also seemed to grow fonder of her every day thou art a bold piece he tell her and thou growest bolder with each day hast thou no fear that thy daddy will have thee whipped for answering him so pert "'Afrida would say, hugging him as well as she could for his ruff. "'I know you wouldn't beat your girl, don't I, Daddy?' "'And as she hugged him, it felt almost like hugging her own Daddy, "'who would never come home from America. "'So she was almost contented. "'She knew that Lord Arden was not one of those to suffer for the gunpowder plot. "'She knew from the history of Arden that he would just be banished from the court, "'and end his days happily at Arden.' and she was almost tempted just to go on and let what would happen and stay with this new daddy who had lived three hundred years before and pet him and be petted by him only she felt that she must do something because of edrid the worst of it was that she could not think of anything to do she did not know at all what was happening to edrid whether he was being happy or unhappy as it happened he was being if not unhappy at least uncomfortable Mr. Parados, the tutor, who was as nasty a man as you will find in any seaside academy for young gentlemen, still remained at Arden House, and taught the boys, Edred and his cousin Richard. Mr. Parados was in high favour with the king, because he had listened to what wasn't meant for him, reported where it would do most mischief, a thing always very pleasing to King James I, and Lady Arden dared not dismiss him. Besides, She was ill with trouble and anxiety, which Edward could not at all soothe by saying again and again, Father won't be found guilty of treason, he won't be executed, he'll just be sent to Arden and live there quietly with you, I saw it all in a book. But Lady Arden only cried and cried. Mr. Peridus was very severe, and wrapped Edward's knuckles almost continuously during lesson time, and out of it said Cousin Richard, he is for ever bent on spying and browbeating of us. He saw us messing about nasty sneak, said Edward. I should like to be even with them before I go, and I will, too. Before you go? Go whither? Cousin Richard asked. Afrida and I are going away, Edward began, and then felt how useless it was to go on, since even when the nineteen oh eight Edward, who he was, had gone, The sixteen of five, Elfrida and Edred, would of course still be there, that is, if... He checked the old questions, which he had now no time to consider, and said, in a firm tone, which was new to him, and which Elfrida would have been astonished and delighted to hear, Yes, I've got two things to do, to be even with old cowardness, to be revenged on him, I mean, and to get Elfrida out of the tower and I'll do that first, because she liked like to help with the other. The boys were on the leads, their backs to chimney and their faces towards the trap-door, which was the only way of getting onto the roof. It was very cold, and the north wind was blowing, but they had come there because it was one of the few places where Mr. Peridnose could not possibly come creeping up behind them to listen to what they were saying. Get her out of the tower? Dick laughed, and then was sad. "'I would, we could,' he said. "'We can,' said Edward earnestly. "'I've been thinking about it all the time, ever since we came out of the tower, and I know the way. I shall want you to help me, Dick. You and one grown-up.' He spoke in the same grim, self-reliant tone that was so new to him. "'One grown-up?' Dick asked. "'Yes. I think Nurse would do it, and I'm going to find out if we can trust her.' "'Trust her?' said Dick. "'Why, she'd die for any of us, Ardens. "'Aye, and die on the wreck before she would betray the lightest word of any of us.' "'Then that's all right,' said Edward. "'What is thy plot?' Dick asked, and he did not laugh, though he might well have wanted to. "'You see, Edward looked so very small and weak, and the tower was so very big and strong.' "'I'm going to get Elfrida out,' said Edward, "'and I'm going to do it like Lady Nisdale got her husband out. "'It will be quite easy. "'It all depends on knowing when the guard is changed, "'and I do know that.' "'But how did my Lady Nisdale get my Lord Nisdale out, "'and from what?' Dick asked. "'Why, out of the tower, you know,' Edward was beginning, "'when he remembered that Dick did not know and couldn't know, "'because Lord Nisdale hadn't yet been taken out of the tower.' hadn't even been put in, perhaps, for anything Ered knew, wasn't even born yet. So he said, "'Never mind, I'll tell you all about Lady Nisdale,' and proceeded to tell Dick, vaguely yet inspiringly, the story of that wise and brave lady. I haven't time to tell you the story, but any grown-up who knows history will be only too pleased to tell it. Dick listened with most flattering interest, though it was getting dusk and colder than ever.' the lights were lighted in the house and the trap-door had become a yellow square a shadow in this yellow square warned dick and he pinched edward's arm come he said and let us apply ourselves to our books virtuous youths always act in their preceptors absence as they would if their preceptors were present i feel as though mine were present therefore i take it i am a virtuous youth on which the shadow disappeared very suddenly and the two boys laughing in a choking inside sort way went down to learn the lessons by the light of two guttering tallow candles and solid silver candlesticks. The next day, Erod got the old nurse to take him to the court, and because the queen was very fond of Lady Arden, he actually managed to see Her Majesty, and, what is more, to get permission to visit his father and sister in the tower. The permission was written by the queen's own hand, and bade the lieutenant of the tower to admit Master Edward Arden and Master Richard Arden, and an attendant. Then the nurse became very busy with sewing, and two days went by, and Mr. Paradis wrapped the boys' fingers and scolded them, and scowled at them, and wondered why they bore it all so patiently. Then came the day, and it was bitterly cold, and as the afternoon got older, snow began to fall. "'So much the better,' said the old nurse, "'so much the better,' It was at dusk that the guard was changed at the tower-gate, and a quarter of an hour before dusk Lord Arden's carriage stopped at the tower-gate, and an old nurse in rough and cap and red cloak got out of it, and lifted out two little gentlemen, one in black, with a cloak trimmed with squirrel fur, which was edward, and another, which was Richard, in grey velvet and martens fur. And the lieutenant was called and he read the queen's order and nodded kindly to edward and they all went in and as they went across the yard to the white tower where lord arden's lodging was the snow fell thick on their cloaks and furs and froze to the stuff, for it was bitter cold and again so much the better the nurse said so much the better Elfrida was with lord arden sitting on his knee when the visitors came in She jumped up and greeted Edred with a glad cry and a very close hug. Go with nurse, he whispered through the hug, do exactly what she tells you. But I've made a piece of poetry, Elfrida whispered, and now you're here. Do what you're told, whispered Edred, in a tone she had never heard from him before, and so fiercely that she said no more about poetry. We must get you out of this, Edred went on. Don't be a devil— Think of Lady Nisidair! Then Elfrida understood. Her arms fell from round Edward's neck, and she ran back to Lord Arden and put her arms round his neck and kissed him over and over again. There, there, my maid, there, there, he said, patting her shoulder softly, for she was crying. Come with me to thy chamber, said the nurse, I will take thy measure for a new gown and petticoat. But Elfrida clung closer. "'She does not want to leave her dad," said Lord Arden. "Dost thou, my mate? "'No, no,' said Elfrida quite wildly. "'I don't want to leave my daddy.' "'Come,' said Lord Arden, 'tis but for a measuring time. thou come back, so clamp as thou art. "'Go now to return the more quickly.' "'Good-bye, dear, dear, dear daddy,' said Elfrida, "'suddenly standing up. "'Oh, my dear daddy, good-bye.' "'Why, what a piece of work about a new frock,' said the nurse crossly. "'I've no patience with the child,' and she caught Elfrida's hand and dragged her into the next room. "'Now,' she whispered, already on her knees undoing Elfrida's gown, "'not a moment to lose. Hold the handkerchief to thy face and seem to weep as we go out. Why, thou'rt weeping already. So much the better.' From under her white hoop and petticoat, the nurse drew out the clothes that were hidden there, a little suit of black, exactly like Edward's, cap, cloak, stockings, shoes, all like Edward's to a hair. And Elfrida, before she had finished crying, stood up the exact image of her brother, except her face, and that would be hidden by the handkerchief. Then very quickly the nurse went to the door of the apartment and spoke to the guard there good luck good gentleman she said my little master is ill he is too frail to bear these sad meetings and sadder partings. convey us i pray you to the outer gate that i may find our coach and take him home and afterwards i will return for my other charge his noble cousin is it so said the guard kindly poor child well such is life mistress and we all have tears to weep but he could not leave his post at lord arden's door to conduct them to the gates but he told them the way and they crossed the courtyard alone and as they went the snow fell on their cloaks and froze there so that the guard at the gate who had seen an old nurse and two little boys go in through the snow now saw an old nurse and one little boy go out all snow covered and the little boy appeared to be crying bitterly and no wonder the nurse explained seeing his dear father and sister thus i will convey him to our coach good masters she said to the guard "'and return for my other charge, young Master Richard Arden.' "'And on that she got Elfrida's and her boys' clothes out at the gate and into the waiting carriage. "'The coachman, by previous arrangement with the old nurse, was asleep on the box, "'and the footman, also by previous arrangement, was refreshing himself at a tavern nearby. "'Under the seat,' said the old nurse, and, thrusting Elfrida in, shut the coach door and left her.' and there was Elfrida, dressed like a boy, huddled up among the straw at the bottom of the coach. So far, so good, but the most dangerous part of the adventure still remained. The nurse got in again easily enough, she was let in by the guard who had seen her come out, and as she went slowly across the snowy courtyard she had ring under the gateway the stamping feet of the men who had come to relieve guard, and to be themselves the new guard. So far again, so good. The danger lay with the guard at the door of Lord Arden's rooms, and in the chance that some of the old guard might be lingering about the gateway when she came out, not with one little boy, as they would expect, but with two. But this had to be risked. The nurse waited as long as she dared, so as to lessen the chance of meeting any of the old guard as she went out with her charge. She waited quietly in a corner, while Lord Arden talked with the boys. And when at last she said, "'The time is done, my lord,' she already knew that the guard at the room door had been changed. "'So now it, said Edward, as he and Richard followed the nurse down the narrow steps and across the snowy courtyard. The new guard saw the woman and two boys, and the captain of the guard read the queen's paper, which the old nurse had taken care to get back from the lieutenant.' And, as plainly Master Edred Arden and Master Richard Arden, with their attendant, had passed in, so now they were permitted to pass out and Two minutes later, a great coach was lumbering along the snowy streets, and inside it four people were embracing in rapture at the success of their stratagem. But it was Edward thought of it, said Richard, as an honour bound, and he arranged everything and carried it out. How splendid of him, said Elfrida warmly and I think it was rather splendid of her not to spoil his pride and pleasure in this, the first adventure he had ever planned and executed entirely on his own account. She could very easily have spoiled it, you know, by pointing out to him that the whole thing was quite unnecessary, and that they could have got away much more easily by going into a corner in the tower and saying poetry to the mollywarp. So they came to Arden House. The coachman was apparently asleep again, and the footman went round and did something to the harness after he had got the front door opened, and it was quite easy for the nurse to send the footman who opened the door to order a meal to be served at once for Mr. Arden and Mr. Richard, so that no one saw that instead of the two little boys who had left Arden House in the afternoon, three came back to it in the evening. Then the nurse took them into the parlour and shut the door. Now, she said, Master Richard will go take off his fine suit, and Miss Arden will go into the little room and change her raiment, and for you, Master Edred, you wait here with me. When the others had obediently gone, the nurse stood looking at Edward with eyes that grew larger and different, and he stood looking at her with eyes that grew rounder and rounder. Why, he said at last, you are the witch, the witch we took the tea and thanks to. And if I am, said she, do you think you are the only person who can come back into other times? You are not all the world yet, Master Arden of Arden, but you've got the makings of a fine boy and a fine man, and I think you've learned something in these old ancient times. He had, there's no doubt of it. Whether it was being thought important enough to be imprisoned in the tower, or whether it was the long talks he had had with Sir Walter Raleigh that fine genius and great gentleman, or whether it was Mr. Paredes's knuckle-wrappings and scowlings, I do not know. But it is certain that this adventure was the beginning of the change in Edward, which ended in his being brave and kind and wise, as the old rhyme had told him to be. And now, said the nurse, as Elfrida appeared in her girl's clothes, there's not a moment to lose. Already at the tower they have found out our trick. You must go back to your own times.' "'She's the witch,' Evert briefly answered the open amazement in Elfrida's eyes. "'There's no time to lose,' the nurse repeated. "'I must be even with old Pavardos first,' said Evert. "'And so he was, and it took exactly twenty minutes, and I will tell you all about it afterwards. "'When he was even with old Pavardos, the old nurse sent Richard to bed, and then Elfrida made haste to say—' I did make some poetry to call the Moldywarp, but it's all about the tower, and we are not there now. It's no use saying, "Oh, Moldywarp, you have the power to get us out of this beastly tower. When we are not in the tower, and I can't think of anything else, and—' But the nurse interrupted her. Never mind about poetry, she said. Poetry is all very well for children, but I know a trick worth two of that.' She led them into the dining-room, where the sideboard stood covered with silver, set down the candle, lifted down the great salver with the arms Arden engraved upon it, and put it on the table. She breathed on the salver and traced triangles and a circle on the drilled surface, and as the mistiness of her breath faded and the silver shone out again undimmed, there, suddenly, in the middle of the salver, was the live white molywop of Arden. "'looking extremely cross. "'You've no manners,' it said to the nurse, "'bringing me here in that off hand rude way "'without with your leave or by your leave. "'I feel I could easily have made some poetry. "'You know well enough,' it added angrily, "'that it's positively painful to me "'to be summoned by your triangles and things. "'Poetry's so easy and simple.' "'Poetry's too slow for this night's work,' "'said the nurse shortly.' "'Come, take the children away, I have done with it.' "'You make everything so difficult,' said the moody whoop, more crossly than ever. "'That's the worst of people who think they know a lot, and really only know a little, and pretend they know everything. If I'd come the easy poetry way, I could have taken them back as easily. But now—well, it can't be helped. i will take them back, of course, but it'll be a way they won't like. They'll have to go on to the top of the roof and jump off.' ''I don't believe that is necessary,'' said the witch-nurse. ''All right,'' said the mollywarp, ''get them away yourself, then,'' and it actually began to disappear. ''No, no,'' said Elfride, we do anything you say.'' ''There's a foot of snow on the roof,'' said the witch-nurse. ''So much the better,'' said the mollywarp, ''so much the better, you ought to know that.'' ''You think yourself very clever,'' said the nurse.'' Not half so clever as I am, said the multi-warp, rather unreasonably Elfrida thought. There, it added sharply, as a great hammering at the front door shattered the quiet of the night. There, to the roof for your lives, and I'm not at all sure that it's not too late. The knocking was growing louder and louder. End of section 12 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything.